Uh, this is Dave Broadbeck sitting here in my, what I euphemistically call a podcasting studio, but it's actually the uh, room I do podcasts in. It's not really a studio. It's my daughter's old bedroom. That is neither here nor there. Uh, the following lecture is from Psychology 3926-4926. Uh, special topics in cognitive psychology, animal cognition. <laughs> So this is the Roifblad experiment we talked about the other day. When I talked about the when we talked about the contents of memory being prospective or retrospective encoding, the lights are too bright. Came from this. Whoa! Oh boy, that was bad. That's bad. <coughs> so Roifblad's experiment is symbolic matching, and this is what we went through the other day: red sample horizontal line, orange sample vertical line, blue sample almost vertical line. And this is the part that. It probably confused you because it's confusing. If you make mistakes, and the choices are one and two, then the encoding is probably retrospective. If you make the mistake when choices are two and three, the encoding is probably prospective. Now, I'm going to now show you sort of a schematic that makes this a lot more easy to understand. Okay, red sample means tech horizontal line. Orange sample, the close those are, means pec vertical line. Blue sample means pec almost vertical line. So if your choices, if you're given an orange sample, you're a pigeon, by the way, in this, in this scenario. If you're given an orange sample, and then you get a choice between these two. Okay, so you get the orange sample, you peck it 10 times, like it goes at retention interval, five seconds. You now get a choice between vertical and almost vertical. If you don't make a lot of mistakes there, it must be that you're comparing these two in your representation of the world. Does that make sense? Because you're looking back. And that's hard if you're looking prospectively. If you're looking forward, it's like, boy, those are almost the same. See that? Okay, same thing here. If the choice, if you make a lot of mistakes when it's, these are your two choices after you've pecked the orange sample, and your choices are between a vertical and horizontal line, obviously the bird isn't, isn't confusing horizontal and vertical lines. That's impossible. They're good at this. So how can they be making mistakes? Oh, you have an orange and red are pretty similar. See, see that works? So it's, it's looking, oh, that's the kind of encoding it's doing. That's, how, that's why this experiment is exceedingly clever. Okay? So I know it was hard to explain last time, but also I got, my flow got interrupted. Well, you were all there. Which I probably made too much of. But. Okay, questions about that? And as the time, the retention interval increases, the birds are more likely to switch to prospective encoding. So it becomes easier for them to remember what it will be than what it was? They change their, 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 their strategy. So I know it's easier. I think it's, it's probably the case that this starts to, the, the memory of the sample fades, so switching over makes sense. Not switching over. The switch over is another step where you could F up, right? So you don't want to F up. 
So instead of switch, don't switch over if at all possible. But eventually it's like, I'm gonna have to switch over because I'm starting to forget what's happening. So, and we, I can tell you that we know that in fact birds rehearse. Now they aren't saying red light, red light, red light, because they don't speak English. But they do in essence rehearse what they're supposed to do. You can't rehearse it when it's starting to fade away. So then you switch over and go horizontal, horizontal, horizontal. Again, they don't do English, they don't horizontal. But they are rehearsing, it's the same kind of um, procedure, the same, the same kind of thumb. I think the rehearsal would allow them to keep the memory. It does, but eventually it starts to fade because memory traces fade. You gotta understand here, we're doing with the pigeon bird. So again, getting yourself inside the head of a pigeon is not an easy thing to do. And it's probably the worst thing you can do is try to sit there and go, oh, okay, I know exactly, you really don't know how they think, I don't know how they think. We can just get, make guesses, well, pretty damn good guesses based on data. But realizing that a pigeon's umwelt is different than yours is, is something that you have to do all the time whenever you do animal work. You have to sit there and go, no, 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 don't think like it's a person. Even if you're doing stuff that we could do this with, with people, we just make it more complicated. Wait, why do we assume they're rehearsing? Oh, I can just tell you that they are. And we can just you can just take that as a, as a thing that I know. Okay? okay? <laughs> I think I'm going to talk about that in the next slide. Like, change this one a bit, too. Yeah, because I can tell pigeons to forget things. Excuse me? Okay, there's a thing called directed forgetting in human cognition, and this is easy. I give you a list of words, and then uh, after the ones I don't, I'm not going to test you, I don't even forget that one. You forget that one. You can forget that. And I don't lie to you until I lie to you. <laughs> and then I ask you one of the ones you've been told you to forget, and you're shitty at it. Because I, I, why would I lie to you? I've told you I'm not going to test you. And then, of course, I test you. <laughs> okay, how do we do this with a pigeon? Well, we do it with delayed matching the sample, as you probably guessed. This is, uh, this is uh, work that was pioneered really, really by Peter Petroli. You will sometimes see making, if you follow me on Facebook, making exceedingly sarcastic remarks on a subject. Um, he's a good guy. But he's really good, he's good at sarcasm, I'm just saying. So, let's say it's a triangle. I don't know. And then, so that's your sample. And you're going to eventually get a choice between a triangle and a circle. Okay? But intermediate between this thing, I can give you. So you teach them that, they learn that pretty quickly. That's phase one, phase two, now we've got our sample. And then I can either have a signal that is an R or a signal that is an M. Remember, or not M, or an F. Forget. Memory. Memory, but then remember. <laughs> now remember, I'm going to give you the test. Forget, I don't give you the test. I just give you next trial. Except sometimes I lie to you. And I give you the forget. I test you on the forget, and you don't do as well. So it's not there's an intervening stimulus, because I've got a forget signal and a remember signal. It's exactly how you do human directly forget it. So what we're, we're guessing here is that there is some active process that we call rehearsal that they're using. Because if, if they are actively forgetting something, they must be actively remembering. Does that follow? Yeah. Right? Cool, right? Like, it's pretty clever. It's actually, it's very clever. Um, Inman and Shuttleworth. Hey, Sarah Shuttleworth shows up again. This is meta-memory. 
This is even cooler, really. So what you have with that is you have, I wish I didn't call them markers, but, so red sample, red and green, standard matching to sample. Now, the animals can now, once that's been trained up, they're red, and then they can either choose, this is, and this is the bird's choice, they can choose the test key or the safe key. The safe key gives them two seconds, I think, of access to grain. Two seconds, always. So that's always going to lead to a small amount of food. The test key is up, red and green. You pick red, you get lots of food. You green, you get none. No, no. It's like gambling. In fact, it was originally thought of uh, in terms of those of you, there's a couple of biology people in here, right, and then foraging stuff. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you don't work about using a one-armed bandit, it's called, it's kind of like a gambling thing, if you know, it doesn't matter. But this was done, Alistair Inman was, is a uh, biologist, a zoologist, and Sarah Shuttleworth was cross-appointed in zoology and psychology. So this guy was like a zoologist, and he presented this to our lab group, and he was talking about it completely in terms of foraging, we went, you're testing meta memory, because they have to know what they know. Because if they know what they know, they'll pick Test, right? You have to know the contents of your own memory. How do we know that they're knowing the contents of their memory? Sometimes when we take, they pick the safe key, we, we test them. <laughs> or we, Sarah and Alistair, tested them. And it turned out that they're shitty on those, right around chance. Words, they didn't remember. And again, I think that's pretty damn clever. I don't know where Alistair is now. I looked him up the other day. Couldn't find him. Uh, implicit memory and priming. So this is work that I've done, uh, me and then me and this old student one. Basically, you know about priming and implicit memory. You know the idea that this is done with words. So if I give you the word coffee on a, oops, okay, on a study list, and then I have you try to fill in this word, this blank, so you know, blank, F, F, blank, blank. You're more likely to fill that in than you are to fill in cocoa. Okay? It's just a, and it's, that's an independent of you remembering the word coffee. So I did the same thing, except what I've done, also me and Craig Keynes did, was present pigeons with pictures of Cars and cats, this is where the car and cat thing I talked about, and they have to peck if it's a car, well, half peck if it's a car, half peck if it's a cat. And just to start a stimulus, to get a cat in a car, they had to just pick another, peck another picture called the warning stimulus. Eventually, what happens is we start covering up part of the pictures they're supposed to categorize. 
And then we take a look and see that the warning picture they saw was one they saw three, three, uh, maybe three or four sort of trials ago, which is maybe like 90 seconds, which is an eternity in a, in a task like this. And they categorized better when they'd seen the whole picture before, and then they had to categorize a fragment. Uh, I can say something, though, that someone tried to replicate this and couldn't. So I don't know what special thing happened. And that was, I did that when I was a postdoc. So I don't know. And, I mean, we, we, we replicated it when I was in Newfoundland. So I don't know why, what special thing happens with me and didn't, and Craig Kane's too. And doesn't happen uh, with uh, one of my colleagues who tried this. But I'm very proud of that work. But it's only been cited seven times. No one else thinks it's that special. <laughs> but I'm pretty proud. All right. So to finish up, we're really scratching the surface here of looking, just like everything else we talk about in this class, I'm thinking topics in animal cognition. I could literally do a whole course on just spatial memory. That'd be no problem. Because, um, except this isn't graduate school, and probably as a special topics course, no one would take it. It would be like two of you and they'd cancel it. But when I was a postdoc, I sat in on a course that Dave Sherry taught on spatial memory in the hippocampus. Nothing else. That's all it was. A whole term of that. A lot of fun. You could buy that course. How do you mean? Uh, maybe university to let you do that. Okay. Um, no, I, you, I guess I could. I need that money for shoes and food for my family and shelter and such. So, you know, you're rich. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not that wealthy. So the worst thing you can do is try to get inside an animal's head. And I mean, we all do it, by the way, I don't feel bad. We do it all the time. The problem is, you can't. It's so easy to anthropomorphize and you shouldn't do it, right? It's easy to, I'll tell you, you shouldn't do it when you're a person running an experiment with human subjects. You shouldn't sit there and say, I know what they're thinking. You don't. You know how they behaved and we interpret that and we make some guesses about how they're thinking. That's what you should be doing. And there's new cool stuff all the time. Um, Take a look at uh, journals like Frontiers in Comparative Psychology, which publishes very quickly. Um, and it's free. It's open access and free, so anybody can look at it. And uh, it's a really good journal for, for that kind of thing. It's a lot of fun and easy. It's easy to read um, as a rule. And there's actually a comment section after the articles. So you can ask questions to the researchers. Probably for racist stuff. It's mostly just people saying first and then claiming Obama was from Kenya. No, it really isn't. They're, they're moderating comments, obviously. But um, they, it's there. So Frontiers is a nice place to, to keep up on what's happening right now. There's a lot of other places. There's Frontiers articles for or journals for like every field of academia. Just I know the comparative psychology one's good. Because I'm on the editorial. So I know it's good. Me and a bunch of other people are the personal. There's not only like 10 of us, there's like 50 of us. It's a different one. Questions before we turn it over to our to your colleagues, my students. I don't know what that thing was I just did. We won't spare. Out on the edge of town, everything's on the edge of town. Box stores, they are piling up. How I wish I could knock them down. 
on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for Dave, uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures in Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh- uh, uh, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, 
you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcasts, uh, like Podsafe Music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the, uh, if you want to call them show notes or blog posts. So, uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're, they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.